From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. And once more, thank you for coming back and welcome back. If this is your first visit, well, an especially warm welcome for you. We're going to spend the next 30, 40 minutes or so diving into a Canadian's cannabis culture one talk at a time. And let me remind you that this program is intended only for those 19 or older in your jurisdiction and is intended purely for entertainment purposes. You should always consume your cannabis responsibly. This episode, well, you could probably throw a subtitle on it and call it the Sweetgrass episode. We're going to talk to Jimmy, one of the founders of Sweetgrass Cannabis, and he's joined by NASCO, handling the marketing, copy, and even a little bit of packaging. They released their first drop to the market in the last month, and we are going to hear the story of Sweetgrass Cannabis, a micro-grower coming out of the Kootenays with some pretty fine weed. And since it seems appropriate, we're going to sample some of that pretty fine weed with Sweetgrass Mint Chocolate Chip up for a taste on Cultivar Corner. And wrapped around that, well... We have a look at the data breach at the OCS, which I'm sure you've heard about. And also in Ontario, are we reaching saturation perhaps with cannabis stores? All of that and more on episode 97 of the Cannabis Podcast. And just ahead of today's conversation, let's dive into a story from the Daily Courier, actually the Kelowna Daily Courier, on pot shop sales data being misappropriated, is the headline. Daffet Roderick a spokesperson for the Crown Agency responsible for distributing cannabis from producers to pot shops in Ontario, confirmed what he called a misappropriation of data Tuesday evening. There was no failure of IT security or systems, he added. An OCS letter obtained by the Canadian press and sent to retailers on May 10th said that confidential store sales data was being circulated in the industry. This data was not disclosed by the OCS, nor have we provided any permission or consent to distribute or use this data outside of our organization, reads the letter signed by Janet Im, the OCS Vice President of Wholesale Partnerships and Customer Care. The data was misappropriated, disclosed, and distributed unlawfully. As a result, we trust you will refrain from sharing or using this stolen data in any way. In the wake of the breach, The OCS said it quickly launched an investigation to identify the source, restricted access to internal data reports, and notified the police, who it says will review and investigate the misuse of the data. The OPP did not immediately confirm whether an investigation had begun. The Federal Privacy Commissioner, which all breaches must be reported to, did not respond to a request for comment. The appropriation comes as the cannabis industry is facing increasing competition and sales pressure, as the number of pot shops in Ontario has swelled to 1,333, up from 1,115 at the end of September. Interesting, that's the second story we're going to cover from Ontario today that deals with the amount of cannabis stores there. In December, Ontario's Auditor General said in her annual report that many cannabis products are often out of stock because the OCS inaccurately forecast inventory levels. Those inaccurate forecasts have customers empty-handed and licensed producers frustrated, the report said. At the time, the OCS said that work was underway to use point-of-sale technology to automate more of the sales reporting, which would improve inventory management and forecasting. The OCS also faced a breach before. Almost four years ago, the OCS revealed information linked to about 4,500 of its customers was part of a Canada Post data breach. 
The November 2018 breach was linked to someone accessing data, including names, people who signed for pot deliveries, OCS reference numbers, and postal codes through a Canada Post tracking tool. The OCS said those affected made up about 2% of customer orders. A data breach at the Ontario Cannabis Store. I always get a chuckle when I hear about data breaches because 99% of them happen because somebody clicked on a link in an email that they shouldn't have, and it opened up the world to those who are dying for that door to open just a teeny little crack. Well, we'll see what happens with that, although they kind of are intimating that it wasn't a data breach in the traditional sense. I got a sense from the article that they think there's some inside action going on. We'll have to keep our eye on that story. So if you have been dealing with the OCS, maybe you want to keep your data a little bit more secure. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. This is the Cannabis Podcast. And I think we're going to go exploring to the Kootenays. If you've never been to the Kootenay area of British Columbia, you owe yourself a visit. It's pretty spectacular country. Well, of course, the whole province is. Our whole country is, right? I'm not trying to give specific attention to the Kootenays, but nonetheless, that's what we're talking about. Sweetgrass cannabis is who we're talking about, and they are from the Kootenays. In fact, just a little south of Nelson, near a town called Weimar. Again, a cute little town if you've never been there. That's Y-M-I-R, and it's Weimar. That's how you say it. And Sweetgrass Cannabis is a community of like-minded folk who enjoy the finer things in life. Their interest in the art of growing cannabis runs deep, and they've been looking forward to delivering their craft flower to the upper shelves of the Canadian marketplace. Licensed by Health Canada and certified by the Fraser Valley Organic Producers Association, they produce small-batch organic living soil cannabis. They have four select cultivars growing in their facility, and they're currently developing several other registered phenotypes for release in the near future. Sweetgrass recently released two cultivars, Mint Chocolate Chip, and Crunchberry to the market. Our store got both of those, and they sold out pretty fast. They were pretty popular. And now we're going to have a conversation with Jimmy, who is one of the founders of Sweetgrass. Uh, Tim was originally scheduled to do the interview, but he got called out of town on the day that it was all set up. So Jimmy valiantly stepped in, appreciated Jimmy. And Jimmy is joined by NASCO, who's involved uh, and actually is the person that I originally had the conversation with to set up the interview. He does everything that he has to at Sweetgrass Cannabis, including all of the copy on the website. And it was that copy which first intrigued me. So here's my conversation with Jimmy and NASCO from Sweetgrass Cannabis. Jimmy, welcome to the Cannabis Podcast. Thank you, Gary. And I also have NASCO with me. NASCO, you are, what's your role at Sweetgrass, NASCO? Media, marketing, uh, photography, uh, copywriter, and uh, a bit on the sales team too. Kind of doing a little bit of everything, as, as most people in, in small businesses are wanting to do, right? Yeah, even some packaging the last couple of weeks there. We got a little rush with a big order at the BCLDB and uh, NASCO had to jump in and help us package. Yeah, and, and isn't that cool that you got your first order out and, and it's in stores and, and people are smoking it? How, how do you feel about that? Yeah, we feel really good. Uh, it's been a long run since, uh, I guess, day one when we started uh, applying for the license through Health Canada. We celebrated after getting the cultivation license, thinking we were there, and it took another year to get the sales license, and then it took another six months to eight months to get approved in BC, and then to get on the shelf. So it's been about three years since we opened up. 
Wow. Let's get a sense of, of where you guys came from, Jimmy. And I'm going to assume, based on some discussion I had with NASCO, that you had some experience in growing cannabis before legalization. Yeah. Um, myself, um, our master growers, our old team, have had probably like each about 20 years experience of growing cannabis um, on a pretty good level uh, through the ECMPR license. You know, as a kid, when you start up, you know, you have a couple plants in your backyard and you try and you fail, try and fail. And then over the years with ACMPR, that's what was that was the first step to allow um, getting a little bit better at it and not hiding so much and uh, being able to communicate with different people in the industry and not like feeling like you're just hiding all the time. And uh, same with my partner, uh, Tim, the other co-owner. Um, yeah, we've been at this for a long time. What was it, Jimmy, that sparked you to make that decision to to take it all the way and get your product into the fully legalized world? Um, I guess it was a natural transition. Um, me and my partner, Tim, had a couple of small ACMPR license facility on two small properties. Uh, just near our place where we live. We live in the country, uh, south of Nelson. And uh, it just seemed like the right thing to do at the time. Uh, we jumped on the first wave as soon as we heard uh, about the micro cultivation. We weren't interested in going uh, large like the LPs and things like that. We wanted to keep it local and keep it small and craft and the real deal, doing the quality that we've been doing uh, on the legacy market. And we've achieved that, you know, the rooms in the facility are very small. Um, there's four rooms per facility, about 500 square feet each. And uh, we've achieved uh, the quality uh, that we used to do in the legacy. Absolutely. What has been the response to the product as it first hits the market? Uh, it's been really good. Um, NASCO can uh, fill in a little bit on that, but we're getting bombarded with uh, feedbacks and the men left, right, center from a different uh, dispensary owner, uh, customers on all levels, reps, uh, people. The feedback is really good so far. And is it just in BC, your first drop, or did it get somewhere else as well? Straight from Sweetgrass is, uh, is only in BC. Uh, we have products under other LPs' name that we've sold bulk because it took so, lo so long to us to get the, to the market that we had to sell bulk for the first year and a half. Um, they've packaged under their brand and sold it and they're getting really good feedback, like selling out really quick as well. So, so Nazco, uh, while you were gone, I asked about the, the first drop, how it's going. Give us your sense. I think it's going great. Uh, I mean, we delivered a hundred cases of each of the two strains that we're, we've been growing for the past year and a half. And, um, that sold out in 18 hours. 18 hours. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we, we had a friend that runs a dispensary in Fernie, and he was able to keep us posted on the the sales uh, over the over the day and kind of the 11th hour before the wholesale site closed. He bought the remaining six cases and um, gave us that sellout kind of uh, claim, <laughs> which was good. You know, he said this was for bragging rights and he wanted to offer us that. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that feedback that's been coming in since has been really quite positive across the board, you know, from just casual, casual smokers to dispensary owners, uh, bud tenders. I mean, people doing the cannabis sommelier courses have chimed in, um, other reps from other 
companies have have um, bought and smoked and reported back that they're loving what they're they're smoking. So um, I think that is all really good signs. Those are all really good signs. Excellent. Moving into this world, as as I've heard from other growers and people heading down this path, have been a few obstacles along the way for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, where do you start? I guess the whole uh, application through Health Canada was quite uh, painful. Um, that was like almost four years ago. We started the process, and they didn't have their docs in a row for micro facilities. We were one of the first one to apply. We even hired consultant uh, to help us, but it was quite quite lengthy. Like it took a lot of time and a lot of effort. Uh, the amount of paperwork is involved is quite large even at this day where we're like in the role of things like the amount of reporting and like answer you got to give between cra and uh, health canada is is quite substantial it's not uh, it's, it's not anything like the legacy market by any means you know yeah no i've heard that before so what's been your biggest challenge to, to get here that was the biggest challenge was like the licensing um the first license wasn't so bad, uh, the cultivation. It was the sales license that, that was quite difficult, and we couldn't get a clear answer from Health Canada. And we had to put a lot of pressure and just keep hammering them for answers. And it seems like if you didn't bug them, you didn't get an answer. Um, so it's one of those things that you just got to keep working on it. And I hear like from people getting licensed now, it is getting better. Um, the one thing that was really good was the local government, the lo- local authorities, the RDCK, the regional district was so helpful with building permits and local licenses and things like that. Like uh, Community Future has uh, given us a substantial loan for the first facility. They're looking at uh, giving us another one right now for the second facility. Um, they want this for the economy, right? And they're they're aware of the, the good impact of... Uh, the return on that so it's been really helpful locally there's been a lot of help oh that's nice to hear that is so yeah. nice to hear that the community is behind you and that, that's yeah i mean nelson has been i wouldn't say depending on this but it's been a big part of the nelson economy we all know this right for, for people that, that don't know about the the kootenays like it's uh, it's been the main economy for a long time so everybody there understands that they uh estimated that was the rdck estimated the the returns on legacy market was over 200 millions a year so when that disappears which is right now they were hoping to have about 50 of these micro facilities in the region and i think there is only three or four as we stand because of the investment that it takes people right people are quite um afraid to take the jump um yeah i bet i bet they are what was it that made you take that jump? What deep inside for you and Tim? What what was the decision that that you decided uh, we got to do this? Yeah, me and Tim have had a really good relationship uh, over the years, and we're both uh, doers. We make things happen, and we had quite the surrounding of friends and talent to operate the facilities and uh, the financial resources to a certain extent to make it happen. Sure, um, having it by yourself would be very difficult um you know to be like a master grower and run all the paperwork and all that you know so 
we were quite fortunate to have a good team that really helped us. And, you know, guys like my friend Asko here who jumped in along and has become yeah. like indispensable, you know, for uh, the the company. Um, it's, yeah, it was a, a good match, I guess, and a good timing yeah. for us. To Excellent. Happen. I had opened a restaurant about five years ago before that and had a bit of a experience with payroll and different things in the legal mm-hmm. world, the liquor licensing and, you know, insurance and all that, that you kind of want to have a little bit of a, a back end. And Tim has had a, a company of himself years ago. So we had a bit of experience on, on all sorts of avenues. Okay, the business background. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Create what we have now. And, you know, we stayed true to the organic flowers we grow. We were organic certified, which again, was another, uh, yeah, that's one of the things I wanted to dive dive further into, Jimmy, because because it's not just cannabis you're growing. You're growing it in a very specialized way, and you're pretty proud of that. So tell us about that. Yeah, so we're li- we're growing in beds. Uh, for those familiar with cannabis, where it's LSO, live-in soil, organic, um, big beds, no pots. There's uh, the soil is alive. You know, we barely turn it. Um, we make like teas and all sorts of things. Just a men. Um, it's been a technique we've developed like maybe 10 years ago and it's, we've refined it and gone better at it. And we're growing quite like high quality, uh, product out of this with good volumes, you know, for longest time organic, people were afraid to go organic as far as production wise. And I'd say we produce just as much as a conventional growers, you know, like, and so that obstacle hasn't stopped you. No, it didn't stop us. And now it looks like we'll get a bit of a better return on organic product where we didn't really get that in the legacy market um, where people are starting to recognize and just seen we sold their BCLDB at a fixed price and then dispensaries, it's at their discretion to put the price to whatever they want. A lot of them have tagged it quite higher than what we thought they were going to land it at, probably because of the organic and style of growing that it's yeah sets it more as a premium as a premium cannabis rather than the other yeah masco what what's your background in cannabis what got you involved here and 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 how did you get started um you know i honestly i i showed up in the coonies about 22 years ago uh uh, um big sort of life change in a way and, and moved here from the city uh and came here as a trimmer um given given the just you know the stories we'd hear from from the Kootenays you know fall time was a big time to come out and help with the harvest and uh really quite organically got welcomed into a community just on the other side of the lake um and I never left after that fall um so yeah I ended up growing a little bit outdoor with people that you know were uh, well traveled new cannabis from from time in India um, and yeah, kind of growers that had been doing it since the eighties. So I really got an inside look at, you know, uh, the Kootenays, uh, and cannabis and small community life. And, uh, it just seemed that those three things worked, um, really hand in hand out here. And the, more, the longer I stayed, the more I realized that, you know, the whole local economy out here, uh, was driven in part to revenues from, from cannabis over the years. Um, and I kind of, yeah, it just took off from there. I mean, you know, I didn't stay in the business. I, I was in the music industry for many years and, um, 
yeah, just really kind of came at Sweetgrass for, uh, as a amateur photographer. It's amazing how we how we find those paths in and <laughs> and they expand further, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So um, I've enjoyed it from that angle, but you know, I can also put words together, and they needed someone to help you know get stuff together for the website. Absolutely, marketing is important, regardless of what the product is. Yeah, yeah, and then you know that just turned into social media stuff and. Um, you know, creating promotional materials and, you know, just being able to communicate um, elements of the business to the public at large. Why don't you tell us, um, Jimmy, about the cultivars that you guys are featuring? Yeah, um, we've, I mean, we've picked those, um, I guess, they were kind of picked before legalization in a way. Uh, We really enjoyed those. These were doing really well in the legacy market and things like that. And, uh, once we got close to getting hitting market, uh, we realized that the high THC level was really important to the government bodies. Uh, we never thought that it was this important, um, but I guess coming from consumer that comes to the store, they want to bang for their buck, you know, like maybe younger people, you know, like me 20 years ago, you know, if I want to go to the store and I can buy the same eight at 25% to 20%, I'll pick the 25%. So that has driven uh, the mint chocolate chip and the crunch berry to the top of the line for what we grow right now, because they're range between 27 and 29%. Uh, we would like to pick different cultivars that are lower THC and have different terpene profile and CBD and things like that. And we will, um, we're just not quite there as can't quite afford that right now at this stage. Um, yeah. The market needs to change a little bit. It needs, it needs to be educated a little bit. Um, the province dispensaries, I think it's a whole thing that needs to come from the legacy to the legal market. You know, it's slowly happening but not very quick. So as just being viable as a business, we had to stick with these two for now. Uh, we are bringing uh, other genetics, but they're also really high in THC for that reason. Um, as it evolves, we're working on the medical platform where we can sell medical cannabis online. We got a medical sales as well. And that is just starting to take off. And that will allow us to have different strains there because some of our patients will want these high CBD or sativa or things that are not maybe as high in THC, but that will really benefit the, the health side of thing, you know, for cater to what you want in a strain for whatever you're using it for, for your condition or recreation or whatever it is. That's a fascinator of the industry that I I really do hope it changes. There's this fascination with the high THCs that most of us are smoking. We don't need that high THC to, to get the effect we want. I, what do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the high THC doesn't really relate to what you're going to feel. You can no. smoke a 15% THC and just get as rocked as yeah. a 25%, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just a number, I think like, in people's mind, maybe in uh, government bodies, just it's like an alcohol thing. It's a percentage, you yeah. know. Like it's like if I'm going to buy a craft beer, I don't necessarily want the highest alcohol content. I want something <laughs> that tastes good and that feels good, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe when I was 15 years old, I probably wanted the highest alcohol. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the education that needs to happen, and that's mm-hmm. what legalization will bring in a way. I think is a lot of awareness about 
things down the road you know it's not quite happening but guys like you and people around that are really involved in history are making this happen right now right so yeah yeah we need to change the whole perspective and get back to you know picking the terpenes that really truly affect us and, and choosing our cannabis that way rather than the high thc that's where i like exactly. to see it go yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think it's a sign of uh, just an, uh, a maturing market uh and that will happen in time yeah, yeah, and I'm hoping that maturity speeds up a little bit. I don't want to wait for adolescence for too long here. <laughs> so where do you see sweetgrass going? What do you see the future in the next couple of years? Very hard to tell just because the industry is so new and it's changed. It's evolving so rapidly. Um, we had plans for maybe more facility. Um, now we're kind of sitting where we are and wanting to fill the market um see how it goes um you know there is all sorts of avenue that we've explored as far as extract things like that you know um edibles now we're sort of like just sticking to what we're good at you know we're good at growing really nice organic flowers and that's our niche and we're just trying to refine our system and our paperwork and get caught up to just having a smooth running operation you know, financially, it's been very stressful the past year. It's been really difficult. You know, the power bills, the payroll, everything, when there's no, barely no income and you're waiting on these licenses to come and another hoop to, uh, to, uh, to jump, you know, it was one after the other. We managed to make it. We're just starting to see some, like, viability in the business now, like starting to see some return, being able to pay our bills and paying some of our loan back. Um, so we're going to get, just feel it out for the summer, see where it goes and see what the next step is. I mean, uh, a big thing that me and uh, my partner, Tim would like to do is, uh, help others come to the market. Right. So because we have all the SOPs, the paperwork and everything done up already for us, like our first facility took a long time to get licensed and like going the second facility only took a couple months because we're already in the system with health canada it was a copycat same sop same employees so if we could provide that some kind of a package for other people you know like we've hired consultant that you know we're consultant they weren't growers they didn't know anything about the business really you know other than doing paperwork and writing kind of fake sops um we could be kind of really good consultant or really good help to others, you know, that it's a franchise model or copycat facility kind of thing. You know, there's a lot of talent here in the Kootenays and a lot of people that are going to need work, already needing work, right, uh, from the legacy dying down. So that is one of the angles that we'd like to approach and on some level, you know, in some avenue. So that's another one of the things that I really love about the cannabis industry, that, that you're willing to share that information and help others get to the same stage that you are. And it's not so much competition. It's it's one of the things I really love. Yeah, it's never been. And here in the Kootenays, it's always been really open book, like people just sharing the knowledge. There's never been no secrets. And it's that's the beauty of it. It's a, it's a community thing, you know. And uh, if we can kind of help keep that going, you know, a lot of people have like – try to gone really big and these big LPs have kind of failed, you know, at producing quality, thinking they were just going to come in and 
take the market over and now you can see all the crafts like being in demand and taking taking over the market slowly right so we really hope that it can go back to its roots you know to where it belongs are you guys going to be uh, participating in the farmgate portion of uh, as we head further into 2022 we most likely will uh we're still kind of waiting to hear how it's going to unfold you know um i was uh you guys were at a conference last week yeah i went to the, the craft craft summit and i guess there was a bit of talk about that um i'm not quite caught up with where it's at right now but there's a bit of pushback from the dispensary owners and stuff and i mean from what i hear right now the government's still going to take its 15 percent, the same as they're doing and they're not going to do anything so and they've been kind of undercutting the market with their bc store you know by not having that 15 percent to pay so there's a lot of talk and negotiation that needs to happen to try to make something that's feasible because it's also going to be a bit of a logic could be a logistic nightmare to distribute your product yourself to all these different dispensaries you know for as a small craft producer and then if you got to go through a rep then you're paying someone else so then what are you left with in the end you know like uh, we're just looking at the amount of taxes and duty and everything we pay now, you know, like it's like the margins are, are getting quite tight, you know, it's not as what it looked like it was going to be a few years ago when we started and we realized, okay, we're going to need to like get really tight with our operation and everything like, like any other business that are running right now, you know, it's not this gold mine that people thought it was going to be, you know, the green, the green rush is a, and and, and I, I certainly uh, appreciate your comments about the BC Cannabis Store. I mean, uh, as a retailer myself, it's really tough to compete against the people that are selling you the product when, when they're putting in these, you know, advantages to themselves. So from Farmgate's perspective, I can't believe they're even considering adding 15% just for passing through their door. Like, that's insane. I know. I mean, uh, the one thing that might uh, work as far as like for us to undercut the BC Store is would maybe we'll be able to create really good relationship with specific dispensaries, you know, and just have exclusivity in those dispensaries where it'll be the only place where you find good craft cannabis. Cause maybe like if craft growers get together and say, well, actually we don't want our stuff in the BC stores, you know, like it doesn't represent who we are. Um, it doesn't represent etiquette, you know, like good values. So that's, that'll be the poll that maybe we'll have at some level. Yeah, and I think that one makes a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, that's where going to be the differentiator for stores like us against the BC Cannabis Store, where we can get your kind of product and say, hey, you can't get it over there. I, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean, you see it in the wine industry, right? Some uh, yep. wineries are exclusively selling to a couple of restaurants in BC and a couple of stores, you know, and that's yeah. where you find it. And that's yeah. it. Gentlemen, I am so happy that Sweetgrass Cannabis is in the market. We're, we're seeing your product and enjoying your product. Thank you for the conversation as well. A lovely story that you told. Let me wrap up with my hot seat questions. They're just a couple of simple questions and you can each respond to it. Favorite cultivar? Tropicana Cookie. Nice. Nasco? Go with his answer. <laughs> and that's perfectly acceptable too. Uh, edibles or flower? Flowers. These days I'm liking edibles. Are you? I have to say, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge cannabis consumer uh, by any stretch, but edibles I, I've found to be a great format for for me, whether it's for 
sleep enhancement or just, you know, like hiking? Yeah, I got to say, also, I'm enjoying the edible as far as like dozing, you know, like having the problem okay. dose, exactly what you're buying, you know, like, yeah, that's, uh, that's a really good way getting an older becoming an older guy you know and not necessarily <laughs> wanting to be rocked every time you know older, a nice way to, to yeah good cool. joints or bong joints uh i'd go vaporizer for myself nice uh do you do vapes or oils uh vapes and a little bit of oil as well Okay. And uh, vape primarily from the perspective of the discretion? Is that is that one of the main reasons why you're doing the vape? Or is it for flavor and, and hit? Uh, just flavor terpenes. I think okay. that I really like the flavor that comes out of it. Okay. And Nasco, your response to that? Um, you know, I, I haven't dipped into the concentrates in a while, but I was given some diamonds uh, at oh. that conference in Kelowna. Uh, nice. And that might be kind of a, a special evening just to kind of dive into yeah. – the purity and the, the concentration of that kind Very of product. Very cool. And one final question, and, th- and this resolves some just some different terminology I've discovered across the country. What do you call three and a half grams? An eight. I'd call it an eighth too. Okay. Uh, it comes out of uh, the, the first time when I was working at a dispensary and, and somebody from Ontario dropped in and they asked for a half quarter. And when they came back and they said, can I get two half quarters? And I said, well, it'd be quicker to just ask for a quarter, wouldn't it? <laughs> so that's where that one comes from. Well, interesting. I mean, in Ontario, they call they call a case of beer 24 beers, whereas we would that's call true. that flat. Um, so. so it's just Ontario then. <laughs> yeah, there, there's an East Coast, West Coast divide going on. There, sure. there absolutely is. Well, we will leave it there, gentlemen. Thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you being on the show and uh, you enjoy the rest of your night. Awesome, Gary. Thanks. Really appreciated this, too. Thank you very much, Gary. Pleasure to meet you. THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Cultivar Corner, Cultivar Corner, oh yeah. Cultivar Corner, please explain this stuff to me. On Cultivar Corner today, not only are we doing some new weed, but this is a new LP. In fact, these guys just came to market within the last couple of weeks. Well, give or take, this may be delayed a few weeks before you actually hear this. This is Sweet Grass, Sweet Grass Cannabis, and they're a group out of the Kootenays. Let me tell you a little bit about Sweet Grass. They're a collective of Kootenay growers who take pride in producing organic living soil cannabis. They're excited to help raise awareness for this clean and sustainable method of cultivation. Their plants love the environment and they reward with some of the most beautiful cannabis on the planet. They can't wait to show you what I'm showing you right now. (laughs) You'll see this as I pop up the video beside me a little bit closer, but let me take a look at this with the jeweler's loop and see what they are growing over in the Kootenays. Near and dear to my heart, I spent my formative years in the Kootenays. And often when I would tell people that I was from Nelson <laughs> or I had lived in Nelson, they would often get the funny look on their face and gain Nelson? So you, I said, yeah, 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 I smoke cannabis. <laughs> so it has a bit of a reputation um, because there was a lot of great weed grown around there for many, many years. And I suggest that the folks at Sweet Grass Cannabis are trying to bring back some of that renown to the growers in the West Kootenays. And boy, there's some nice, oh, nice trichelum fields on here. 
An abundance of amber in that guy. Sweetgrass just came to market. As I say, this is their first product out the door. We actually got some of it in the store, the very first shipment that they did. Really impressed. Really beautiful bud. Nice structure on it. Good cure. Nice and firm. Mmm, lovely aroma in the bag. Now, let me get to the description of the particular cultivar that I have, and this is Mint Chocolate Chip. Now, they are a new grower or a new group of growers come to market, so I'm not going to be super critical, <laughs> but I will point out the fact that the label on the bag tells us nothing but THC. No indication of uh, terpene percentages, no indication of what terpenes are in this particular weed. However, again, because they're brand new uh, to the market, give them a bit of a break on that because at least when I go to the website, there's the information I'm looking for. Mint chocolate chip. This is a hybrid. Now, we haven't done a lot of hybrids. And by that, I mean tr strictly 50-50 indica or sativa. It's kind of the effect I'm looking for in this particular day, so I'm looking forward to that. This is mint chocolate chip hybrid, 50% sativa, 50% indica. THC range 23 to 29%. That's where we got lucky on this guy, 26.8%. And CBD marginal at 0.91 milligrams. A terpenes 4 to 5% terpenes. Oh, there is a real tremendous nose when you stick your nose in the bag. It's very, so So, what do they describe it? Because I, I think their description is pretty good. This dense resin-laid buds are packed with a unique and rich herbaceous aroma that exudes a certain skunkiness when broken up. Now, I can attest to that. As I ground this up to get my joint ready and to, of course, get the vaporizer ready, uh, there was a definite some skunkiness and even just a hint of gassiness that came off of the buds. Now, what are the genetics for this? This is Mystery Cookie and Green Ribbon BX. Aromas are going to be minty and herbal. Sweet, sour, hint of chocolate. You know, I, again, my palate, I guess, is just not expressive enough. I'm never good at picking up those hints of chocolate. I can get some of the mintiness, though, definitely, and some of the herbal, some of the nutty. The effects are mentally uplifting, happy, energizing, with a relaxing body high. I'm looking forward to that, if that is the case. And benefits, user reports suggest a relief from pain, depression, headaches, insomnia, and loss of appetite and stress. So there you go. There's the setup for Sweetgrass Mint Chocolate Chip. This is at 26.8%. Terpenes 4 to 5. I would have expected perhaps a bit more bouquet on that but nonetheless the crafty plus is warming up but the joint's ready i think it's time we have a taste of some new weed from a new lp welcome to the market welcome to the canadian market a legacy story i do have an interview lined up with the founder of sweetgrass that's likely coming up on a future episode who knows it may even appear on the episode that this cultivar corner appears but i'm looking forward to that to hearing their story of, of how they got from legacy to legal as so many are doing now and it's so great to see that happening let's have a taste this is mint chocolate chip from sweetgrass cannabis
Now, as I say, when I broke that up, there was definitely some hints of uh, skunkiness and a little bit of gas that came out from breaking up those buds. So this is all hand-trimmed, the yeah, quality, uh, potent motivator, energetic and clear. Where do I get the hand-trimmed part? Oh, that's back when I talk about sweetgrass itself. So the method, certified organic. They grow it in living soil. They use LED lighting, and it's all hand-tended. Their hands-on approach, many hands, they say, make light work and the best product. And truly local. Sweetgrass Cannabis is based in one of Canada's renowned cannabis hotspots. Their newly built micro-cultivation and processing facility is literally in their backyard, just south of the city of Nelson in the mountainous Kootenai region of BC. And if you've never been to the Kootenays, you owe yourself a visit. It's a pretty special part of the province. Nelson's a pretty special little city, too. So, is this pretty special weed that's coming out of Nelson? 26 points. Let me make sure I got the right value. 26.8. And their indication was this was going to be a pretty fast onset. And start with some happiness in that head high. <laughs> and I love it when the material backs up the marketing. Mm. That's a pretty fast onset. Already got my happy eyes. There's some euphoria just bursting to get out. Now, they further talked about this mint chocolate chip as being really focused. If you if you wanted to do something really creative, it would, would dive you into that and allow you to do that before it settles into kind of a, a little bit more of a body stone. Really nice head high right now. I think it's time we have a true taste. The Crafty Plus I see is ready to rock. So my traditional two-fisted toking has begun. Here's the Crafty Plus. Let's see what this tastes like. Holy moly. <laughs> Herbaceous is right. Wow. Just, just a whole lot of that. Little, oh. A little bit of that earthiness can can get a bit of that that mintiness. Now, do I get a? I'm never good at picking up anything on the exhales. Oh, but that is really an appealing taste there. The combination of the terpenes and did I dive into the terpenes yet? No, I didn't. Let me give you the specific terpenes. Because I think it is that combination that is creating this lovely, delicious taste. Limonene, caryophylline, myrcene, farnesine, and linalool. So a pretty common collection, the, linal, the limonene, the caryophylline, myrcene, and linalool. Nice to have that farnesine in there. And I would suspect that's what's giving it its unique tone and texture in Nice high. <laughs> mm. Now, I haven't been tending the joint. That's why it went out on me. So let me refire that up. Oh, yeah. Definitely got the happy eyes out of this guy. They purported to call it a 50-50s hybrid. So obviously, I want some of that euphoric high and that, and that lovely 
head high, get me going, get me thinking about stuff in, a, in an enjoyable way. And then let's settle into the body and kind of have that cool little body relaxation to, to guide the rest of my night. And I can feel that coming on too. I like the looks of the bud, like the smell of the bud, and so far I'm liking the effects of the bud. Welcome to the Canadian market, Sweetgrass Cannabis. Lovely to have some more growers from the Kootenays on board. Uh, this province has grown some wonderful weed. <laughs> and it's nice to have another entry in the market. If you hadn't had the chance yet, and you probably haven't because they just came out, Sweetgrass Cannabis, I tried their mint chocolate chip. Also, to market, we also got in the store, but I haven't yet picked up, is a Crunchberry, which is an indica-dominant hybrid. I'm pretty impressed. Mint chocolate chip, a 50-50 hybrid. My THC sitting at 26.8%. And once more, those terpenes are the magic of limonene, caryophylline, myrcene, farnesene, and little lule. It delivers a pretty good high. From the cannabis-infused studio in the clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. And we go to mjbizdaily.com for our final story today about Ontario perhaps having a little too many cannabis stores. New data from Ontario's cannabis retail regulator shows nearly 1,500 cannabis stores operating Canada's biggest adult-use marijuana market, and hundreds more applications are in the pipeline, reinforcing concerns that a glut of retailers could force many operators to shut their doors this year. Ontario had 1,468 licensed cannabis stores open for business as of May 2nd, with another 445 active store authorization applications under review. If all those applications succeed, Canada's largest provincial cannabis market could have as many as 1,913 cannabis stores. However, not all of the pending store authorizations will actually go through, predicted Krista Raymer, co-founder of Ontario-based cannabis retail and brand consulting firm Vitrina Group. The number of new store openings may not increase in the same way that we had seen month-over-month store openings increase in the past, Raymer said. Meanwhile, dozens of Ontario stores are listed for sale, with some apparently languishing on the market for months, lending credence to warnings that the cannabis retail sector in parts of Canada could be due for a reckoning. Sundial Grower CEO Zachary George recently warned shareholders that we are starting to observe a trickle of closures on a weekly basis. I expect to see massive store closures in Canada, with a toll likely closer to 1,000 than 100, George wrote in a letter to shareholders. 32 cannabis retailers in Ontario have closed and had their store authorizations cancelled since June of 2021. Store authorization cancellations have occurred in Greater Toronto, as well as Hamilton, Windsor, St. Thomas, and Ottawa. No request to cancel those authorizations occurred in 2020 or the first part of 2021. Commercial real estate listings and classified advertisements show at least four dozen cannabis retail businesses for sale in Ontario, particularly in Toronto. Not all of those stores are authorized to open. One operational downtown retailer listed for $149,000 Canadian dollars has been on the market for more than a month. Ontario cannabis store operators predicted a retail shakeout to MJ Biz daily last year, and more warnings have been issued since. Perhaps we have reached saturation and perhaps we are going to see some small or massive store closures in Ontario and perhaps other provinces. We shall see as this kind of new and fledgling industry tries to stretch its wings and figure its way out of all this. It's a bit of a boondoggle right now, but it's got to get better, right? I want to thank you so much for being here. It 
really means a lot to me that you are here along for the ride. And if you're here multiple times, well, it's an even warmer thank you from me. I really do appreciate your support. And if you would like to support, you like what you hear and you feel so inclined, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash cannabis podcast. You'll find a number of options there. You can pick up some stickers. You can buy me a doobie. You can become a supporter if you would like. And if you are one of those supporters, I am most thankful for your support every month. Thank you for coming along for the ride. I really appreciate it. That pretty well wraps it up for this episode. I do want to advise you that next episode, I have an interview with a gentleman from Colombia who I think has some brilliant ideas for how we can make medical cannabis better all over the world. And that conversation is coming your way with Alvaro Torres next episode. That wraps it up for episode 97 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the Cannabis Infused Studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.